Kate Thomas, welcome to A Real View. Thank you. I'm glad to be here joining y'all. Yeah. So you are uh, my girl's favorite friend of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. I love your girls. Yeah, they love you too. You're fun. Well, Pete is so much fun. She's one of my favorites as well. I always, always love my time with Pete, and I feel like Pete's the type of person I can go once without seeing or talking to, and then just sit down and talk and talk for about four hours, and then be rushing to carpool to pick up kids or something because I could go on and on. Yeah, she's a special person. Y'all are so sweet. I need to come here more often. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking this morning about um, we used to carpool. Mm A long time ago, uh, Ashby is, she just finished her freshman year in college, but how old would she have been then? Like second grade or? Yes. Uh, let's see. Actually, we did kindergarten through second, right? Yeah. Together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she would talk about all the things y'all were doing, you know, fun things like, I don't know, like hiking and camping and I don't know, you just seem like the funnest mom well I it came more naturally back then I would like to be fun again (laughs) sometimes that gets stolen a little bit but um we used to I do have fun memories of those carpool days we would run through the sprinklers Mm -hmm. up at the church Mm -hmm. and we would slide down the hills and (laughs) I'd bring sour cream and onion grasshoppers for the kids to eat. That you what could is buy that? In the package. I never knew about that. <laughs> well, this is funny. I said, um, I'll pay any of y'all who try it a dollar. And yes, some of them tried it. Were they real grasshoppers? They were real grasshoppers. Okay. <laughs> crickets, crickets. Crickets, okay. And then I thought later, you know, that's not good to be bribing children. I just set a bad example. So did Neil eat? A- I can't remember if Neil okay. did or not. And so then the next week I said, so who didn't eat the crickets? I said, because you get $5 for not being peer pressured. Into doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, they learned These a value. mothers might not be happy. That I <laughs> well, you, they learned a valuable lesson. There you go. That's crazy. Okay, well, you learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you have two girls. Two girls, um, 10 grades apart. Yeah. So last Big. year we were uh, college planning and rush planning and working on spelling words. Yeah. So two different worlds. That's. Which is wonderful. I'm thankful. And it's kept you young. Yes. <laughs> young enough, I guess. <laughs> Times. And your husband, Clark, went to Ole Miss, which is where I went. He's a little younger than me, but um, he's a dentist. Yes, he's a pediatric dentist. And um, Ashby's at Ole Miss, so he's enjoyed <clears throat> going to visit. And yeah. He's busy working with the kids and the moms. and Yeah. Good family. Thank you. Well, Pate, um, we, I've gone kind of round and round today about what I thought the topic should be. And um, I, I told you beforehand, I'd kind of gone down one path and then went down another. And uh, I landed on this one about rest mm-hmm. and how that plays into how we 
pray for our children and sort of live in that season of life when our children are young. Um, but I also know that you're kind of, you know, we're kind of in that sandwich generation, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your children, but you also have your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so give me an update on your whole family. Well, um, we are packing up my parents' house this week mm-hmm. to sell it. And um, my mom and dad, we moved them into an assisted living in February. Mm-hmm. And they're on different floors. My dad's in assisted and my mom is on the floor below in memory care. Mm-hmm. And so last year was kind of a wild year with yeah. getting one graduated in freshman year and then one started a new school and then my parents moving into the assisted living and honestly praying for everybody to find this year was about praying for everybody to find their people mm. you know, at the new school, at the new college, in the new. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, figuring out how to be pulled, which all moms in a lot of different directions. Um, and this probably this topic is probably um, like I said earlier, a good topic for me to be reminded of because mm-hmm. it's easy to, as Scripture says, fall from grace and step into works. You uh-huh. know, fall from that higher place. Yeah. And I have found myself, um, you know, trying to, as opposed to resting, trying mm-hmm. to scurry and hurry and fix and make right and. I find in my day-to-day so many times when things are, and I feel like you're probably in a season of life where there's just a lot of tasks to be done, Mm -hmm. that sometimes that can easily kind of, I can find that I've really stepped into a works mentality without kind of realizing it because I've had so many tasks to check off a to-do list Mm -hmm. to to do. And like you said, when you're in a position with some aging parent issues and you've got because I'm kind of walking through some of that with my dad is like, you've got some doctor's appointments and we need to follow up with this and I need to go work on his internet and just kind of, and then with kids, so many things are Mm -hmm. task oriented, Mm -hmm. but then the next thing I know, I've I've really fallen into that works mentality. I don't know if you feel that way. And and then the, I can look up and realize like, Oh, I have really not at rest anymore. And I've totally changed over without, really realizing it until I step back and go, oh, wow, I've got to, I'm getting anxious about all these things. Mm -hmm. And what does rest look like in a very task-oriented season of life? 100%. Um, It's so easy, as you said, day to day, but also to find yourself in a season. And so for me, um, it's just good to be reminded there were some things that I was just looking through that, you know, I find myself skip over. I know scripture. I know what grace looks like. I know what rest, what that position Mm -hmm. of rest is to be. And yet it's easy when maybe what you're believing for, you don't necessarily see. So with your own eyes, right? Mm -hmm. In the natural. And so, like Sarah, you jump in and you say, okay, I'll make it happen. Yeah. But the making it happen doesn't 
it doesn't turn out right. Mm-hmm. And just this this fleshly nature is is interesting. It's the same same story, second verse, right mm-hmm. from Sarah to yeah to my life. Well, and uh, yeah, we do contend with the flesh, and uh, thank. God for the cross that has cut away the flesh from our identity, who we are in union with Jesus. No longer sinners. That's right. But saints. Saints. Children of God. Mm -hmm. And um, so Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, Looks like the date on this one is May 29th, 2021, so a couple years ago. And that night... uh, in the in the night, and when I, in my dreams, I kept seeing, and I had this wooden sign. Uh, I think I gave it to my sister, but I had a wooden sign that said that had that verse on it, mm-hmm. and I kept seeing that sign in my dreams. It's a, it's it's a beautiful cursive handwriting. Anyway, uh, and I woke up, and so it was just on my mind, and I meditated. I chewed on it. You know, I took each word and I just chewed on it. And so what is rest? How does he give it to me? Um, Rest. Interestingly, in this passage right here, when when it says, um, I will give you rest, that is not a noun. It's a verb. It's an action verb, give you rest. And Jesus is doing the action of that. And and so the the strong's definition is a verb definition to refresh the soul, to keep quiet of calm and patient expectation, to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. So I love that. Isn't that awesome? When we come to Jesus, he gives us rest. He causes us. He's that causing agent uh, to make us cease, you know. Mm -hmm. So if we come to him, this is what he's going to do. He's going to take that yoke off of us and cause us to recover and collect our strength again. The other day... With packing up, and my sister has come into town to help do that, and it was just a day of a bunch of being pulled in a bunch of different directions and tasks, and and I kind of finally broke down, and I just said, "I'm I'm so tired of being tired," mm. and I mean, it says it all right there in the definition of rest, mm. and that's. Because I've forgotten in that moment my inheritance, my identity, that I get to come yeah. and receive his rest. And 
And what does it say? Cease from labor, recover, and collect my strength. Yeah. And that just makes you. <sighs> yeah. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Jesus is our strength. So, You know, that is a verse that has sort of been the theme of my year this past year. But I've been saying, Lord, what does that mean? What does that look like in practical, you know, like right. kind of like we were talking about in some of the notes, like sometimes things can be abstract. And mm-hmm. so what does it what does that look like to you when you think of that verse? The joy of my Lord, or the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, um, the joy, and we're, we'll, we'll see joy again here in another passage. Um, joy is in knowing who you are in him and who he is in you. And the, that peace Okay. It's not ne- yeah. Well, we've all, you've heard this in teachings in the church. That, you know, it's not not necessarily happiness, uh, right. joy. You know, but I kind of beg to differ a little bit with that because the joy, which is a spiritual, it's a spiritual thing from the you know most inner part where that where the peace is. You know, we have everything. He is our peace, so we have Jesus. We have everything we need. You already have it, right? Right. Um, but when you tap into that meaning, um, see things from that heavenly perspective where you're seated in Him, um, then you, you you get a joy that comes over you that where that peace is activated, and you know it is finished. God's got it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what does that do? That gives you that happy emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, to where in your recovering, that joy is giving you the ability to recover in your soul, you know, your mind, will, and emotions. Mm-hmm. Get in line with that joy that's that inner strength. And I think I have this passage somewhere in my notes today. Um, yes, I think I have it in the Passion Translation. Um, you know, that that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Yeah, that was in here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get to that. Okay. So that's like what it that. is. That's what it is for me is, is like see Jesus. See Jesus. And sometimes I just close my eyes and I'm like, what is he doing right now? Is he running around like a chicken with his head cut off? <laughs> no. no. Fretting and worrying. No. no. Is he wringing his hands? No. Mm. He's at rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with all his enemies under his feet. feet. Mm -hmm. That's that position. That's where we are. That's what I have to do. Uh So um, give you rest. It's an active verb. Jesus is doing the action. I come to Jesus. He actively refreshes my soul so I can cease from any movement or labor. And you know what? As we have spoken of you know it isn't in activity it's spirit directed activity and you how do you know whether you're on the right track is peace absence or the presence of peace so that's how he leads us 
So first I come to him. I take his yoke. I learn from him. And when I take his yoke, he teaches me out of out of his character, out of his gentleness and his humility. And that word yoke, um, there's different definitions or figure. It's a figure of speech, but it's taken from the use of oxen. But and I've I've taught about this before. But that that phrase, the the yoke uh, of the commandments, was part of the Jewish vernacular, where you know they would take the yoke mm-hmm. of the commandments. You know that they would do the work. They would do it. You know, and so the law, that burden of the law. So when you see that word yoke in that context, Jesus is saying, no, 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 take. My yoke, not the yoke of the law, my yoke. And so it it was called the yoke of the commandments, but he also has commands. His yoke has commands, but he contrasted them. One is heavy and one is light. The yoke of the law is heavy. His yoke, the burden of his commands is light. In fact, they're not burdensome at all. That's that's what the word of God says in 1 John 3, 23. Let me just read that. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. Y'all don't have this in your notes. Okay. I, I added this this morning. I, I had the the reference there. You know, what does it mean, the yoke of his commandments? Well, there's mm-hmm. basically two. But uh, so, and, and it's tied in with asking. So whatever we, you know, whatever we ask, we receive from him. And this seems conditional, but I'll tell you, it's not burdensome, right? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And here's, here's the verse. And this is his commandment. Actually, he puts it all in one. Number one, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And number two, love one another as he gave his commandment. So, if you ask me, what I mean, once you believe, and what are we believing? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And once you believe that, you believe that when you look at Jesus, it's as in a mirror. And that we're taking that glory that far exceeds that glory of the law. And we're just choosing, you know, to say, that's who I am. I'm not going to take the mirror of the flesh. I'm not going to say, worn out, <laughs> you know, burdened, all of that, anxious. I'm looking into peace. And um, so that, then the rest is just a gimme. You know, it's like once you realize, okay, this was the great exchange. He he took those burdens to give me himself to give me peace to give me himself he is wisdom to give me himself he is righteousness he is holiness he's my sanctification okay that's who i am and then loving out of that love and and it all goes back to he forgave me you know forgive as you have been forgiven not as a law but as an overflow right well and i love how you said the burden of the law, like when you think of of the old covenant and the laws, I just tend to think of 
you know, doing and fulfilling the rules, Mm -hmm. the expectations. But it's interesting to see it written, the law to perfect yourself, to take care of yourself or those around you, you, right? Mm -hmm. Which is easy to fall into as a mother Mm -hmm. or parent or, I mean, any role actually, Right. right? A friend. And to set things right. You know, when you think of the law, that I don't necessarily think it, those, yeah. the way that's written out makes it more practical, makes it more personal how we often mm-hmm. do fall into that trap. We fall into the, the works based mm-hmm. and self works based. Mm-hmm. And that is what the law is is that, oh, I, like the Israelites, when the law came <laughs> down, they were like, oh, we will do everything yeah. you have commanded. Yeah. We can uh-huh. do that. Um, and it's easy to take on the day-to-day life, take on, oh, I will do it all and I will love it all and do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. But as Trisha loves to say, that's the do-do of life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Because, and to change that mentality and to go then into a rest, mm-hmm. and I don't have to do these things mm-hmm. to, for people to be loved or anything like that. I can rest my identity and then love out of the overflow mm-hmm. and work out of the overflow. Yeah. Which, as Paul says, I will labor more abundantly now, working, he says it differently, but it comes down to is my practical application for me is I can labor more abundantly resting in Jesus than I can in my own Mm self-effort. Yeah. And it's easy to think for me at times that I'm being a really good mom (laughs) as I'm trying to set things right. Yes. And take care and heal and make well and whatever those around me, whatever the issue is, that that's being a good mom. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet I'm spinning my wheels, you know. Well, I mean, this essence of the law is the law is good. The law mm-hmm. is holy. The law is just. That's right. It has zero power to make you good, mm-hmm. you holy, and just. So doing all those things and keeping all those things and doing all the, the tasks of life, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you just have to work with, you got to realize where you're working from. Right. Mm-hmm. What's your source? Mm-hmm. This, what's your strength and your joy? Yeah, yeah. And um, so when, when, when they, since you brought up, you know, coming to Mount Sinai, all that the Lord has commanded, we will do. And, and it, if you look into that wor- verse and the, and the words that are used there, it, it's this self-reliance, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a really important period of time just previous to them arriving at Mount Sinai, and that's from the time they were, you know, they came through the Red Sea. And before they came through the Red Sea, Moses says, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. You know, he will fight for you. You need only be still. And so they get through, and all of that Egypt, you know, swallowed up. The the Red Sea swallowed up the Egyptians where they had the backbreaking labor and, you know, all of that identity as a slave and all that was just totally washed up. And... um you know, when, when they said all that the Lord has commanded, we will do uh, 50 days later when they get to Mount Sinai, 
um, you know, God said, you know, I, I just wanted to carry you. I wanted to carry you on eagle's wings. I wanted every one of you to be a priest. That this is this is what I really want. And and he had shown them what does that look like. He had given them a picture of that for fifty days. I call it the fifty days of grace. And and you know the first Pentecost was when they reached Mount Sinai. So Penta, the the word fifty, comes into play there. And 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 what was it like? Well. When they didn't have any water, and they grumbled, and they complained, and they moaned, well, he gave them water from a rock, right? When they were hungry, he gave them manna, manna in the desert, the food of heaven. And the Bible says that that is the food of angels. They were given the food of angels. It was perfect. but They couldn't take any more than their family needed because they had to trust him to bring the manna the next day. There's just so many lessons in, all, in the yeah. in that fifty so days good. of grace, mm-hmm. right? And the quail, you know. But then they'd say, "Oh, take us back to our pots of meat in Egypt." You know, it, it just they didn't get it. But being in those, you know, walking in those unforced rhythms of grace, as the message translation gives from Matthew 11, uh, means you got to trust Him, mm-hmm. and you got to daily you just. He gives you enough for the day, you know, and and then the Sabbath is also, you know, we're in that Sabbatismo, that perpetual rest in Jesus. He is our rest. But, you know, there was a day that they were to gather twice as much so that there would be one day that they didn't gather at all. And it was just, you know, but that's that's just a picture where we are all the time now. We, we have access to the riches of his grace at any moment. So... And moment by moment, right? Mm-hmm. Day by day. Yep. Numerous times in the day mm-hmm. we have to be reminded, remember who you are. Yeah. Remember your position. Remember your identity. Yeah. Yes. So moment by moment, hour by hour, mm-hmm. situation by situation, mm-hmm. that you do have to be at times reminded of, this mm-hmm. is who I am. Mm-hmm. Not what the world says, not what everything else says but this jesus who what jesus says that's who i am yeah uh i i'm just going to tell y'all i have this uh i was about to tell y'all earlier before we got started um and i i don't know i got distracted i i feel like i'm supposed to go back and teach grace 101 again okay just go back to those passages because even just now talking about Mount Sinai, talking about Sarah and mm-hmm. Hagar and Abraham and Isaac and Galatians 4, you know, Second uh, uh, Corinthians 3, the contrast between law and grace. I'm like, oh, oh, I think we all need a refresher course every Always. so often. I mean, we need to hear it mm-hmm. constantly. But, but and, I, and I don't mean we ever move from the doctrines of right. grace. We're living in the reality of it. Um, but I, I think, and I wonder if it's, it should be about once a year that we literally go verse by verse through Hebrews four on, on rest, you know, of Romans six, five, six, seven, eight verse by. So anyway, I've had this little tug for the last, oh, I don't know, a few weeks actually to do that again. I don't know who it's for, but. 
Well, I would love to listen would you, again. Would you I like would to, love to be there again. <laughs> and I, I feel like, you know, yeah, we got all this on recordings, but I feel like God God wants me to do it again. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that's partly for me, but also um, for I think he's going to do some, some new things, mm-hmm. give us some fresh revelation. So I feel like um, those foundational teachings are like a pop-up picture book. Mm-hmm. And when you can see it again, you say, oh, yeah. You know, like just oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one thing that's so beautiful about the revelation of grace and the finished work of Jesus is that you're never going to reach the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And so every time you can go and study something you've studied over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and there's still more and more revelation. Mm-hmm. So the Lord is infinite, and he has so much to show us. Yeah, yeah. More than we could ever imagine right. or comprehend. So just... Uh, Things you've seen again and again and again, and then you see it again. Like, oh my goodness, I never realized this, or ever see you have a revelation. And that practically plays out in my life in certain, it affects moment to moment what season your life. You're like, oh, this was the revelation I needed for this season. Sure. Well, and every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're, we're proclaiming the gospel again. We're remembering him. To me, that's it in a nutshell. And then, you know, all these these doctrines, these passages, uh, just bring, you know, just bring out the good news from that simple, you know, he, he gave his body and his blood, mm-hmm. shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So it's just, and the body broken for us, everything we need in this life, everything. Communion is such a place of rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love communion. Mm-hmm. And I think probably for that reason, it, it or one of those, you know, that yeah. being one of the main reasons, is in that moment, I'm literally receiving right. and partaking, and I'm forced <laughs> to rest <laughs> to re- yeah, and to remember yeah, yeah, yeah. and to remember, you know. Yeah. And, and that's why we do it. You know, there's not a lot in the New Testament that, you know, that, where to do, I mean, there was a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that they did. And we could, do, like, we, you know, for Easter this year, our family, all our grown kids, we all got together and did a, a Passover. And uh, so we did all the, you know, just explain Jesus mm-hmm. throughout all of that. And so that, that was great. Um, but today, you know, it's the Lord's Supper. And uh, there's not a whole lot of other stuff that we do, but... Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, do it, do it. He said, do it. Do it in remembrance of me as often. Yes. As you can. And, you know, and I think you can do it daily. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, um, but back to this rest. um, So one of the definitions of rest in Strong's is to keep uh, quiet of calm and patient expectation. When we are resting, we are in a mode of calm and patient expectation. Expectation. That's really key. That's that's where that hope is. And we, we have, Jesus is our hope. But it means that we're expecting God to respond to our requests and, you know, as we lay before him, our needs. And the response, of course, he already responded to everything that we would ever need by going to the cross for us. So it's already there. You know, 
Faith is just receiving what he's already provided through his grace. So he's he's receiving as our job, right? And that's that's that open hands of, of rest. Just mm-hmm. you come in need. You're just really saying I'm dependent. Can't do this on my own. John 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me, and I just stop right there. Who is he? He is love. Abide in love. He's also the word. He's also faithful and true is his name. So abide in me and my words abide in you. That's that first commandment, belief. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Did he put a qualifier on that? (laughs) No. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so proved to be my disciples. And just a couple of years ago, jumped off the page. It's like, well, what is the fruit in the context? It's it's that it's answers to those prayers, which come from if his word abides in you. You know, that's why we're so word focused. Um, then ask whatever you wish, because you'll see it right there. What, he, what does he want? What is his desire for your family, for you? For your parents, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And what were those commandments? Believe on Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. Love one another. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things, well, let me just stop there for a sec. The Father's commandments. Well, the biggie is that he was obedient. By his obedience, we have been made righteous. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the biggie. Go go save, save my children. Go save them. And so he did that. But uh, if you think about the mercy seat, you're talking about falling from grace back into law. The mercy seat, it says, Mercy triumphs over justice. And inside the ark were the three things that represented the sin of God's people. It's all in there. The Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, and and the manna is in there. Now, the manna represents that provision, but it also represents their complaining and moaning at the provision. And Aaron's rod complaining and moaning about... uh, God-given order and authority. And then, of course, the Ten Commandments was the law. And Jesus kept all of that. And so he is that mercy seat. He is the propitiation for our sins. His blood is on the mercy seat. He's the high priest who came to sprinkle the blood of the Lamb. It's it's amazing. So he did that. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. The joy of the Lord is our strength. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. So that's the second commandment. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And 
so he's talking to his disciples. And that same night, he already told them in, in one chapter before, he continues to talk about that in chapter 16, that he's going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit, who will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit would remind the disciples of everything that Jesus had told them. And then you'll see in John 17 that, that Jesus prayed for us, those who would believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how do we know everything that Jesus revealed to his disciples by the Spirit of God. All truth. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. I never thought of bearing fruit Mm. as answered prayers. Mm -hmm. Well, it starts with abiding in love, and love abiding in you, and his word abiding in you. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And we know it's we can't be separated. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, you know, once we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that, that, that union bears fruit. And how does, how does it come to me? Come to me. Lay your burdens down. Ask, and you will receive. So the, the asking is is just a declaration of you're the vine. Dependence. I'm a branch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm going to bear fruit. That's also in John 15. But. I love that. That's a new way of, mm-hmm. a new framework mm-hmm. to me for bearing fruit is answer prayers. Yeah. Because how do you, how, why do you ask? Not just because you need, you ask because he is the source. Mm-hmm. You and ask, you, know you ask because you trust. Yeah, that's it. And you expect to receive. Yes. Or else you wouldn't go to him. Um, so the other day, a good friend of ours had, had texted us, and we're all, we're all on this mm-hmm. text stream called the Jesus Girls. <laughs> and, uh, and so a friend of ours is going through a situation with her brother and um, asked us to pray. And so I didn't really get to it. I seem to be the last one to comment on these texts. And my phone is just going, bzz, 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 you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, well, I'm busy. I can't look at it right now, you know, or I'm distracted. And I, you know how they say women are spaghetti and men are mailboxes? Have you ever heard mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I used to be spaghetti. I'm mailbox now. <laughs> I can only think about one thing at a time. <laughs> that can I happen, it. I, I guess, can. according to the season, you know, how busy you are. Well, and I remember my mother-in-law when I used to be so busy, you know, with all these kids and this big ministry and all this, and, and I was like, I said to my mother-in-law, why, why do people always ask me to do stuff? Like, can they not see how busy I am? <laughs> and she said, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. It's true. Mm. Yeah, think about that. And I thought, wow. You know, nobody asks me to do anything anymore. <laughs> 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 but what's happened is I, I'm, I'm not spaghetti anymore. I'm not, you know, like everything's not crossing all over. I get in a zone. And I missed in a mailbox for a while, and uh, it's probably nice. Well, it's just the season I'm in, you know. And I feel like the 
God just keeps telling me, you're going to be spaghetti again one day because I labor more abundantly than y'all, but not I, the grace of God. So whatever, you know, the grace is there for right now, the grace is there for me to, I had to be completely deprogrammed, not in a bad way, but I had to learn, learn how to live like this. I, I like being busy. I'm very task oriented, but anyway, it's just the season. But, um, but so, you know, I was in a zone probably, you know, on something else and, and when the, you know, but the text probably had 10 responses by the time I actually got to it and I wasn't, it was late at night and I thought I'll pray about that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I got up and I just, I was walking around and I was like, what's, what's the word, you know, for, for our friend. And he said, resilience, resilience could not be a better word for her. Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, what God wanted me to see was how he sees it. This is how he sees it. He sees her as someone who just, let me tell you what this friend of ours does. And I wrote it in the text. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You stay connected to the body of Christ and you declare his word. And she does that. That is who she is. Mm -hmm. And so then after, you know, I prayed for her I felt like the Lord said, Tricia, that's a word for you, too. I'm resilient. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've weathered some stuff. And uh, I know by now that there has never been a challenge that the grace of God hasn't brought us through. He will carry us through every trial mm-hmm. with miraculous results. So, <clears throat> Marianne, would you read Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 11? Yes. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Yeah. Well, that speaks of the body of Christ to me. Mm-hmm. How, you know, when one suffers, we all suffer. Right. When one rejoices, we all rejoice, but we're in it together. And, and you know what? Even though we haven't been meeting on a regular basis together, I love that text group mm-hmm. because we're able to to pray for each other that way know what's going on in each other's lives <clears throat> but when i when i sent this uh this you know scripture i put that on on the text i also said people erroneously say that god doesn't give us more than we can handle now just think about that Think about that step. God doesn't give us more than we could handle. Now, the first problem with that is the premise. Mm-hmm. That God's the one giving us the bad stuff. Right. Right. But I will tell you, there are times when we are in over our heads. 100%. It's way too hard. Mm-hmm. Life is like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. God didn't do it, though. It's his goodness that will come in and overwhelm the circumstances 
And 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 such a, the redemption of that is how we get stronger mm-hmm. in the process. So I looked up Second Corinthians twelve in the Passion. It's so good. Why don't you read that? Okay. Jesus answered me, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ— I am made yet stronger, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. I love love that. that. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. You know, uh, that word persecution, you know, and Paul is talking about getting hit from all sides because of the gospel. gospel. Mm -hmm. And uh, God showed me a few years ago, that persecution doesn't have to ju- doesn't have to be just. I went out and preached this scandalous message of grace, and lost all my friends. Right. Okay. Now that did happen. <laughs> that wasn't that that wasn't the only way. That you know. I, in fact, a few years ago, I. Um, the Lord really showed me. He really spoke to me about this. And he and um, He told me that it can come as an attack on your family. I fully believe that. Mm-hmm. Where, to wear you down, to take you out. Yes. To, you know, to rattle your faith, to, mm-hmm. to still kill and destroy from, still your joy, still someone's life. I mean, it can be yeah. endless. Yeah, yeah. You can just feel like you're just being beaten and beaten, mm-hmm. beaten down. So there's a promise regarding anything that you have lost for the sake of the gospel. And I include that to be years. Sometimes you you lose years. Mm-hmm. You might lose your strength. You might lose your reputation. You might lose money. You might lose influence um, for a season. And I'm not saying this to anybody listening or to either of y'all, but when your children come under attack, whether it be in their minds or in their bodies, they lose something. They, You know, they, they lose a piece of their childhood in a sense, or um, they lose some time. They might lose some activity or some development or, or something like that. But God is in, is in that business of restoration. So Jesus came to give life and to give life abundantly. So what and, and so whatever we've lost. And I just say it's all. Anything we lose is for the sake of the God. Anytime the enemy attacks us, it is because we are daughters of God. Mm-hmm. We're citizens of heaven. We're here on, on the earth bringing his power to bear in this natural realm. And so the enemy will do anything to stop us, to shut us up. But it's not going to work. And Jesus said, um, whatever we lose for the sake of the gospel, 
It says, for my sake and the gospels, you'll receive a hundredfold now in this time. Amen. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So he parses it out. You lose something, you get it back a hundredfold in this time. So that's exciting to me. Absolutely. And that is in that knowing that it allows you to rest Mm. and you hold on to that. Yeah. The other day, um, well, let me, let me just say this. When Jesus stood up in the temple and he read from Isaiah and he said, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. Part of what was on that scroll says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion, a double portion. And I, and I thought about disgrace. I mold on that. Dis is a prefix that gives you the opposite. So disgrace is the opposite of, of grace. Mm-hmm. So if you have experienced disgrace, you will receive a double portion of grace. Amen. So I receive that. Yes. Um, we, my sister invited us over the other night, and she, uh, she wanted us to watch this movie called Frequency. And uh, this was a Jim Caviezel movie made about you know, 20 years ago, at least. And y'all know who Jim Caviezel is. <laughs> he played Jesus in The Passion. That movie frequency, uh, um, I mean, it, ha- it's, it's a, it has some rough in it. Y'all remember it? Did you ever see it? I haven't it? seen it. I'm going to have to go back. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm recommending it. It has a little language in it, but um, it's a little rough. He's kind of an alcoholic. and Anyway, but um, it, it's it's kind of a sci-fi in a way. He and his dad, who's Dennis Quaid in the movie, um, connect with each other over a ham radio 30 years apart from each other. I do now remember. Because some lightning struck yes. or something yes. and, you know, <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> a little time traveling <laughs> situation, which, you know, think what you want about that might be too weird. But um, but anyway, the reason they were able to connect is because they were on the same frequency. And um, anybody in my family would tell you, I, I don't watch a movie without crying. I don't watch a movie without seeing some kind of spiritual something in it. <laughs> I love that, though. <laughs> I'm always like, did y'all see that, you know, mm-hmm. after it's over? Um, and I, I said to Mark uh, on the way home, I said, I believe our prayers for our family are changing the course of history. Okay, because in the movie, um, the, the, the son is able to tell the father 30 years earlier, you know, uh, some things that are just going to save some lives. I won't give the story away. Okay. But it kind of changes the course of history because they were on the same frequency. And, and, um, and I, I, I feel like when I'm, when, when I'm on God's frequency, mm-hmm. and, and that is not, his frequency isn't stuck in the time that we're in right now, mm-hmm. right? And when I'm on his frequency and I'm speaking his word and I, I'm, I'm having faith in that, and I'm receiving that grace that's already been provided 2,000 years ago and is active today for the taken. 
then then, then I, we're changing the course of history. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And I see, you know, the great I am, Jesus, Yahweh, who lives inside of me, who is seated in heaven, who's putting me in two places at one time, in my spirit in heaven, and, and in my flesh walking around here, but my spirit's here too, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I, know, I see Jesus, the great yeah. I am, who was and is and is to come, who's great, you know, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He, uh, you know, he is and he was and he is. I, I, all that, like, <laughs> it's like when I see it and I get on that frequency, mm-hmm. I see that Jesus was there in the past. You know, maybe when something was stolen, maybe when something was lost, you know, and you think, well, where was God? You know, was he not there? No, he was there. He saw the pain. He saw everything that happened. And he is here in the present to bring healing. And he's already gone into the future, and he knows where we're going, and he's come get back to take us there to, to, to you know, pave a way for us. Exactly. And I think about my mom, who's already in heaven, and one day, you know, God told me she sees the beginning from the end. Like she knows that this is all going to work out. Because I remember like a year after Mama went home, I, I was just crying and I was going through something really hard. And I was like, Mama, you know, why isn't she here? Right. You know, and, and the Holy Spirit said, well, what do you think Mama's doing right now? And see, she's in the great cloud of witnesses cheering me on. And I, and I just closed my eyes for a minute. I was like, well, what does the Bible say Mama's doing? There's no more tears. There's no more sorrow. There's no more pain. There's no more death. And I, thought, and I just answered the Holy Spirit. I said, well, she's smiling from ear to ear. And he said, yeah, because she knows how this, this whole thing is going to work out. Amen. God is redemptive. It's all about our perspective, right? Mm. Vision, what can we see? Yes. What has the light switch been turned on to? What, yeah. what, are our, what truth is our eyes op- are our eyes open to? Yeah. And when you can see that frequency... From past to future, or like your mom sees, mm. then we're able to rest and and know how it turns out. Yeah. Yet in the moment, yeah, is where it's hard. And and the enemy, I think that the, one of the biggest ways he tries to steal or to destroy is through discouragement. I would completely agree with that. To wear us down. To wear you down. And to get you to have a pessimistic perspective instead of a heavenly perspective. Um, I have a, a friend, Brenda, who she took, we have these prodigal scripture cards, and there's a hundred different cards, and she was praying through every scripture reference that was on the list. And she began to, you know, just get super fired up about um, praying for our kids and how, yeah, these were designed for parents who are praying for prodigal children, but that, that they really go for all children. Sure. And, um, and I designed these and it was based on my study of praying for my family and, and all the promises for family. See, family comes first. You now I know the body of Christ is our people. Those are our people, but your first people are your family. Right? Right. Clark and Ashby, Myers, that's your family. That's your people. God designed it that way because he's a father. Amen. He has a son. He created Adam and Eve, and they had children, and they were made in his image. So 
So family first. Um, well, when Brenda had texted me that she was praying and gotten up at 5 a.m. and was just praying, praying, praying through the scriptures for my, she was praying for my family. And what she had just listened to Promises of God, session six, where I talked about praying for our family. And I, I gave her, not gave her, I gave everybody on the, in this teaching an example of one of the ways that I, I have prayed for my children. And part of this is getting on God's frequency and hearing what he is saying. I told Mark yesterday that if every parent would pray for their child on God's frequency, what has God told you about your child? That would, that would completely change our world. It would change the course of their life, mm-hmm. which would then change the course of their influence. Yeah, absolutely. Change the course of history, but that, but but it, but it's getting on God's frequency, His Word abiding in us. What what is He seeing? What is His perspective? And you can go there, like just just like when I was praying for our friend, He said the Word is resilience. And at first, you know, when I first read the text, I was like, oh, you know, this is problems, problems. I've got, I, I need to pray about the problems. But I slept on it and woke up the next morning. And he's like, I want you to speak the Word about her identity, about who she is, about who I've made her to be, and that she is resilient. And, and boy, that, that was just, that was an excellent word. But if we get on that frequency, then we're going to be praying his word. And it, Less down in the mud and the muck and the mire mm-hmm. of the problem. Yes. And, and above it. Right. Speaking to it, speaking to the storm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so I took Romans 4, speaking of Abraham, who is the father of our faith, and God had given him promises, well, big promises that reached all the way to us, but starting with, he would have a son, and his name would be Isaac. And I, I took that passage and uh, prayed through where it says promise, the promise of God. And I went through promises that God has given me. And, and I gave the example in, in that session of one of my children, Neil, that I had prayed for using Romans 4. But I want to give you a little bit of a background on Neil. I, he, you know, he's our only boy. He's 22. We have four daughters. And then we had Neil. And this kid is amazing. He's just, he's been so smart. He could read at age three. Uh, You know, I just knew it was amazing that I was even having a boy. Like, there was so much promise in that after having all these girls. Um, And God had told me I was going to have another child and uh, that I was going to have another baby. And I remember at the time, I I was 36 Right, right around thirty six when he was born, and um, I, you know, I didn't know that I was going to have any more children. And anyway, uh, but God told me that I was going to have another one, and I did. So I know he's a child of promise, right? And um, so when he was about four years old, and he had on, you know, we did the carpooling together. When he was four, and he didn't—I uh, guess he did go to four K there, but he had on a Webster Christian School T shirt at the uh, ta- the big table and eating lunch and the spirit of God came on me and 
I just couldn't contain it. I mean, he said, I want you to go lay hands on this little redheaded, curly red hair. Cute, little, I know. He was adorable. <laughs> and lay hands on him and speak what I'm speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit said that, uh, that, that I was in the presence of a very influential man, a very important man who would be revered and honored and that he would help a lot of people. And that was when he was four. I, I, I tell you what, you know, that very year he fell through a floor into water below a second, you know, almost died. He almost drowned in the pool and uh he got in without his floaties on and his sister francis uh really i think it was the holy spirit said turn around neil's drowning and she went and rescued him and uh he's had crashed uh total two cars he had an adverse reaction to a vaccine almost died almost died and this is so many. I could tell you so many. He's had a target on his back his whole sure. life. It is totally the call of God. And I think about how they went after Jesus. You can see starting, you know, the enemy has been, it was after the seed forever. Forever. And, um, and I believe that the enemy maybe, maybe can tell some angelic activity around our kids mm-hmm. can maybe see that God's hand is on them and and will try to thwart that plan but he can't he's not going it's not going to happen it's not going to win six and I'm just going to read this to y'all I put my name in there where Abraham's name was for what does the scripture say Trisha believed God and it was accounted to her for righteousness now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace but as debt but to Tricia, who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, her faith is accounted for righteousness. Verse 17, as it is, as it is written on Tricia's heart, then I made a list of some of the things, and I've written them down. I had already written them down in my prayer journal. I have made you the mother of a very important, influential man who will help a lot of people. A man of great faith with eyes to see who God is and what God does. Now, this next part, I've literally seen this in my my imagination. A man who loves to worship, jumping up and down with his eyes closed and his face turned towards heaven, hands raised, praising God. A man who believes in Jesus with all his heart and is filled with laughter and singing and inexpressible joy because he's experiencing the glory of God, the goodness of God, which goes way beyond anything he could have ever imagined. A man who is on his knees worshiping in humility and submission. A man with the hand of Jesus on his shoulder anointing him. I saw that. I saw that in the Spirit. A hand of comfort, love, release of calling, sending strength and protection. A man who wears the robe of righteousness, the new man, and is daily renewed in the knowledge of Jesus. A man whose heart is ruled by peace and overflowing with thanksgiving. A man who is flooded with God's grace and love and filled with the Spirit of God from head to toe. A man who will be a leader of the coming revival of his generation. Then I back to Romans 4. In the presence of God whom Tricia believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope she believed, 
so that she became the mother of this wonderful man named Neil Gunn. According to what was spoken, so shall Neil be. And not being weak in faith, Trisha did not consider her own weaknesses and faults or the weaknesses and faults of her husband. She did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to her for righteousness. And I'll just tell you, I see God answering these prayers. Powerful prayers. Yeah. And all of it, all of it was seen as I prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he gave me in my Dianoia in my imagination. He gave me these pictures of my son, and I've got pictures of my daughters too. And I take it to the bank. I love it. And then Mark and I come into agreement. There's power in agreement of a husband and wife for your children, an agreement with God and with your sisters. So where two agree about anything that they ask on earth, it shall be done. Shall be done by our Father who's in heaven. Anything to add? Amen. I love it. I love the power of this. I love the, um, wow, to have these words prayed over us by those that love us, to yeah. and to in turn do that, you know, to bring forth the kingdom of, of heaven to our children, to, to pray over them, the power is just... Yeah, so it's I'm a gonna, beautiful picture. I'm going to pray, and we'll just end it with this, but I'm going to pray for all of us. I pray, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of Jesus. I pray that we would learn the unforced rhythms of your grace, Jesus. We would learn how to take that light yoke upon us and that we would be able to rest and receive. I pray for everyone listening for a supernatural ability to see, to see what you see, to be in a position to to see first of all our position in you, seated in heaven in you, to see our worthiness before the throne, to know that we are as Jesus is, to have the ability to receive the depth, the height, the width, the length of your love, and to know that you will do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And so I ask that you give us the ability to see our kids the way you see them with your plans, your desires, your will. I pray for scriptures that we can pray over our kids. I pray for visions of our kids in the future. I pray for prophetic words for each of our children that are the truth that you're speaking from heaven. And we, and we will say, you know, may it be done according to your word. And we will accept nothing less for our kids than what you say, no matter what we're seeing today. 
in the flesh. We are going to receive what you say. I pray for all the parents listening that uh, we all turn, we, that we desire truth in our inward parts, that we desire your word, that we have just a distaste for looking to the culture for answers, but that we, ha- we have a desire to look into your word for the answers to find your promises because all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. We are in Jesus, and we are going to give our high five to your word because you are faithful. When we are faithless, you are faithful because you cannot deny yourself. It's who you are. And as we trust in you with the little things, the little things may be our little baby, our little son, our little daughter, then you're going to uh, entrust us with bigger things. But we're going to give our kids to you because they're the biggest things to us. And uh, we know that your plans for them are to prosper them. You didn't give us kids for calamity. You give us ki- gave us kids as a gift, as a reward. The fruit of our womb is a reward. They are arrows in our quiver. And we choose to believe that. And if we train up our ch- children in the way they should go, your word says, when they are old, they will not depart from it. We take you at your word. And we thank you in advance. We receive everything we're asking for in Jesus' name, believing that we receive them and we know that they will be ours. In Jesus' name, amen. A Real View is brought to you by Parousia, a ministry devoted to boldly sharing the gospel of God's grace, freely offered to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Visit ParousiaMinistries.com for teachings and testimonies, as well as information on how you can order Trisha Gunn's highly acclaimed book, Unveiling Jesus, a verse-by-verse foundation of the message of grace. This show is made possible by the generous financial support of people like you who love this message of grace. Your tax-deductible gift to Parousia is greatly appreciated.